Welcome, boys and girls, to Hashtag Obsessed. Haaland is up and running. Man United are on fire in the wrong way. And Liverpool's title run is dead and buried. You are listening to Hashtag Obsessed, your weekly football nonsense. I'm Zach Judy and I'm joined today by Asif. Yes, yes, <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. And, and Yusuf. Dead and buried, Zach, dead and buried. Dead and buried indeed. We'll come on to that. And his apologies, but he'll be he'll be uh, back with us hopefully from from next week. Um, the Premier League is back. Glorious sunshine, glorious football, everything you can ask for. Um, and Asif was there to soak up the sun at Old Trafford this weekend. How was it, Asif? Um, it was a great experience going to Old Trafford, as it always is. Um, just a shame about what happened on the pitch. Disaster, I mean, disaster. We, um, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys watched the game, but it was. It just felt like we were back to last season, so the performance was abysmal. Um, and it's, it's it's hard. I mean, we can't can't blame the manager for it. Ultimately, nine of the eleven that started were still the same players from last season. Um, saying that some of the some of his decisions and tactics were questionable. We signed, we started Christian Eriksen up front as a false number nine. As soon as I saw that, I mean, when I first saw the lineup, I thought Bruno Fernandes would be the one playing that role. Um, then in this pre-match interview, he said Eriksen is going to be the main false number nine. Him and Bruno would be interchanging. I just thought, Eriksen, he that's not a position I expect to see him in. Um, the game started in Brighton. I mean, Brighton are a good team. There's no getting away from that. I mean, Graham Potter's doing a fantastic job. He has been for a couple of years now. And they were just organised... Um, and they, the first half, apart from the first ten minutes, they um, they just picked us off. Really, um, not much else can say. They there dominated. was so much positivity going into the new season. Good preseason, yeah, thrashed Liverpool. New manager in with his new ideas. How did it all come crashing down so quickly? It's it's it's, it's hard to say because I mean, they, I know you, you can't judge a lot of preseason, but there were good signs. But it seemed like. I don't know whether Ten Hag himself was a bit nervous with some of the decisions that he made. He went with players who, apart from obviously Alexander Martinez, um, players who have played in the Prem. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the players who have played in the Prem. But I mean, in the pre-season, a lot of the positives came from some of the young players like Zidane Iqbal, for example. Um, he played Ahmad as a false signing in a few games and he did really well. And he just took no risks and he played Fred as a holding midfield. And he's been playing that for pre-season. Um, but he's just not a player that can pick up the ball from defence, especially when I play a, play a possession-based game. But the one player for me um, who I, I said last year that Lindelof was probably the worst centre-back I've ever seen play in Man United. Um, and I, I, that might have been slightly exaggerated since then. He's actually been playing decent, not great at all. But Scott McTominay, oh my God. If I ever have to watch him play for Manchester United again, I might self-combust. He is absolutely, he's so bad. There's nothing about, there's nothing that he brings apart from physicality. He doesn't know how to pass. He doesn't know how to position himself. He doesn't know how to run with the ball. There's nothing that you can do. There's one instance where he had the ball towards the, towards the edge of the box. He had a few options to pass. Or maybe he, but what he tried to do was um, he pushed the ball a bit forward to take a shot. But as he did that, he lost control of the ball and he ended up crunching, um, I think he might have been Caicedo for, for Brighton. And he got a yellow card for it. It should have been a red card, but it was just embarrassing that from a position of attacking, he basically could have been sent off. He's such a bad player. And I think whilst he's still playing, United have been a struggle to get, in, get into the top six. Um, I think the reason why Ten Hag played him, and I think I think Ten Hag is a bit worried about the physicality of the Premier League. Um, but actually, he should just go in because at the end of the day, he's a technical manager, he likes technical players. He should have just gone in and playing whether Zidane Iqbal had to start, whether they had to put Ahmad up front, Garnacho on the wing, or Rashford up front. There's so many options. But I mean, look, the whole team was bad. Dallow was bad. Um, he was he was awful. Actually, I don't know what happened there. Um, Sancho was poor. Rashford was shocking. I mean, he was, it was, it was called off. Like actually, the replay showed that 
he would have been, been on sign. It was just a simple tapping past the keeper. keeper. But like, but like I said, all the optimism is gone down the drain. Um, and I mean, we're going to come on to the transfer stuff, but the stories have come out over the past 24 hours. The players are waiting for me. It's just, I think, my night been fired. It actually did a great thing to do right now, which is beautiful. Terrible stuff. Why, you were talking about McTominay, why did he stay on and Fred come off then? So I think what he thought was. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying, trying to figure out what he did. did. And this is this shows how much of a shambles my United were. We started with Ericsson as, as a false nine, and we finished, it, finished with him as a same midfielder. Um, not even just like in midfield, he was actually in front of the defence, protecting the defence. And he, he did well there, to be fair, but he's not a sitting midfielder either. He's, he's someone who, yeah, he can drop team, play that position. I don't know why McTominay, Fred came off before McTominay, but Fred was quite bad. Um, but maybe, I just, maybe, again, maybe just think, Ten Hag thought we needed some physicality in the middle, so wanted to keep McTominay on the pitch, but not under any circumstance. Sorry, go on. You're focusing on McTominay, but I remember when he first broke onto the scene, Jose Mourinho. It was under Jose, wasn't it, where he got named Player of the Season? He wasn't. He wasn't named. He wasn't. He wasn't named Player of the Season. He was named as Jose Mourinho's personal Player of the Season, (laughs) and the only reason he did that was it was despite Pogba, because him and Pogba at that point had fallen out. So on the award ceremony at the end of the season, he came out on the interview and he said, well, look, whoever it was that won player of the season, I can't remember who it was. He said, well, my player of the season is Scott McTominay. And that was all just digs at Pogba. So he basically brought McTominay into the team as a, as a way, in my opinion, of spiting Pogba. And um, he stayed there. My point is stayed he's stayed there since then as a mainstay. He's seen off every midfield challenger that's come to the club. There's been what four what managers. Ta- which which is not, what midfield challengers come to the club? Well, that's it. Like I'm thinking now, who's the alternative to McTominay at United? And I, you obviously Genu- genuinely, than I do. I can't think of anyone else. I'll tell you who would be better than him. We've just signed Tom Huddleston as an under twenty one coach. <laughs> he would play better than him in midfield. Sad. So, Scott McTominay, it baffles me. So you say that how he starts every when he's seen off all these managers. Now, Scott, Scott, McTominay, Scott McTominay reminds me of a player who I play with on SNF. I'm not going to mention names, <laughs> but he's a player who plays like McTominay when he plays in the field. He's got an awful touch, slow on the ball, he can't pass. <laughs> yeah, he's somehow unbelievably starting midfield every week. And uh, I think he's a fan of McTominay as well, unfortunately. But anyway, yeah, he's just he's just one of them things. I'll be I'll be a trivia one day in in question of sport in five years. How does Scott McTominay play so many games to Manchester United? He can't, can't even, even get, get to Scotland. Scotland with I, know Scotland I, got I, I saw he had um, I saw he had his collars up in pre season. Is that right? And yeah, I, mean, I, I think he had them up yesterday. yesterday and, I mean, <laughs> Somebody got that collar wrapped on his neck or something. Got Cantona. Um, no, to be fair, look, it's come to a point now, January, where it's like you don't even... Of course it's funny seeing United lose and stuff, but I don't even get that much joy from it. Like, you know, years ago you would when you guys were, like, so good and then all of a sudden you're losing. But now it is just... It's embarrassing for the club. Because you were a great club, and it's so weird how I, I get what you're saying about McTominay. He's awful. He's dreadful. And I did watch it yesterday. I think in the first like five six minutes, he played his pass across the field, and Sancho had to keep it in right. And it's a simple pass. It really is a simple pass. But players like Fred, players like Maguire. I don't know how he hasn't been mentioned. Um, even at some points, De Gea. Even though of course he he saved you guys so many times, but. It just seems like everyone at that club right now. The ultimate covering, yeah. And it's like, it's the same with, and it's one of those things which I don't know what the solution to it is, but it seems like even when we sign new players, they come to United and they just crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and- exactly. They're coming into something that, like Martinez, for example, I, look, I've seen him at Ajax as well, but yesterday, first 10 seconds, he, he didn't give it away, but he gave a poor point. He seemed like he came into a team that has no confidence at all. And I feel for him a bit, to be honest, because he's come into a, a shambles of a side and he's expected so, what, to do something. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought with him, he, he had a few shaky moments, he could have given away a penalty. Um, but I thought he played okay and he's, you can see he's really good on the ball. Um, but I, for me, it's just 
Maguire, I thought Maguire did okay, but watching the highlights of the, I think it was the first goal, I don't know where he was and what he was doing. But it was, I think, when, until United's midfield doesn't improve drastically, then if, basically, if you go into any team, any any level of football, midfield is the most important part of the pitch. If you've got the ball, if you've got players who can keep the ball, they can press, they can do the right things, then naturally the defence then don't have to do as much. Um, right now, we literally haven't got a midfield. Um, and, or whoever's there, they're just getting walked through every single week, um, which results in defend, the defenders having to constantly defend and they're making mistakes. I think if you brought in two competent midfielders, say, have, for example, we brought, not even Frankie Dion, say we brought in, um, say we brought in, what's it? No, what's that midfielder from Southampton? James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse and Ruben Neves, for example, or even Tiedemans and James Ward-Prowse. Straight away, the whole team would improve, the defence would improve, just because you've got two competent midfielders. You don't even have to go out there and get two, you know, the, the likes of Frankie de Jong or anyone like that. Just competent, a bit of competence in there. We haven't had competence for so many years. The likes of Pogba, Matic. Matic was good in his first season and then his legs were gone. Um, Fred, Fred, Fred is, Fred's, Fred's got his... Fred, Fred has got, got his um, practice. He's, he's got, got you know, he can break, break in the field, field but, but he's, he's not the best to pass in the ball. He's got all that play. play. He's maybe the squad player. player. Um, but, but when Tomlin's in the team, for me, it's like we're playing with a man less. In fact, I'd rather play with a man less than have Tomlin on the pitch. Were there any positives looking forward, looking ahead to the season coming up? Was there any modicum of dust that you can take away that think, you know, we can build on that for the season? I think it's going to be a written off season again. No, no. I mean, it's the first game of the season, and Brighton are a very good team. They're a well-organised team. Um, United have to sign players, and again, I'm not going to go into, into that just yet. They have to sign players, midfielders. But with football, things change really quickly. Three people Brentford for next week and get a decent result against the, the scum in two weeks. Um, you know, the mood could change really quickly. It was the first game of the season. Uh, I'm, I'm ever the optimist, so I'm hoping that we turn things around. Um, but it was a bad start, not just it was just so many things that were bad about yesterday. And hopefully, we'll um, we'll, move, we'll move on. And, and Ten Hag, look, the one thing as well, which I was a bit surprised because everything I've heard about him from preseason and stuff, and even the things that I saw and I told you I've seen it on Twitter or whatever, he seemed quite like nervous yesterday and timid and, and that's, that's what I, I, that's what surprised me and that's what's made me a little, little bit nervous now because I, I think the lineup that he went with, with, with I, I think he was I think he felt a bit scared of the physicality and, and that's and what the way really he held himself when he was out on the line he wasn't really like screaming but he just seemed like hmm what, what's happening he, he, he looked a bit he looked a bit lost yeah and um which is concerning um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back the manager, and I think it's like I said, it's only been one game. I'm not going to start questioning him already. But you're, you're right. I agree. I did think he looked, even in his post-match interview, he looked. He just, he, it's like he didn't know what to say. He looked, he looked a bit confused and lost. A bit confused. But also, as I said, I always say we give, we focus too much on a team not playing well and not giving credit to the other team because Brighton, oh my lord, like genuinely that second goal, I think, where they played it out from the corner. It was a back heel to start off, right? Back heeled it out, passed it all the way out. They played fantastic, man. That's, that's what I mean, a good team. Oh, they are, man. And I don't know if you saw Lalana's interview, and it was quite nice because he was talking about what they were actually trying to do. Yeah, yeah I saw that, yeah. They, they were, like, picking up on... Obviously, they, they wanted to press you guys a lot, um, and they wanted to go more direct because you guys on the Ten Hag press a lot. And also, he was saying about he was picking up from the crowd that... Yeah. Every time I think McTominay got the ball or he messed up or anything, I could hear Ramon as well. It was just no, it was interesting. But generally, I, I know we're saying United were awful, but Brighton are a very good team. And apart they will, they will get good results against good teams. Like I'm talking the small ones, top six. Yeah, yeah, but I think, um, but I think United, I think United should have beaten them yesterday if they were the best, but they were shocking. Very good, very good stuff. A, a great victory for for Brighton. Um, I think it's their first ever win at Old Trafford and well-deserved. Um, Brighton's fierce rivals, Crystal Palace, didn't get off to such a good start uh, in the opening game of the Premier League season um, against much-fancied Arsenal. 
Um, Yusuf, you tipped Bro um, Palace, sorry, to have a, a, a very good season. They were threatening in patches, but probably not enough to trouble Arsenal today. Uh, would you on, on that day? Would you say? Yeah, it, it wasn't. <laughs> they weren't good enough. Let's be. They're obviously Elise's out, and he's a is a big big player. But to be fair, uh, I thought Arsenal looked good. You know, genuinely, they've got. And I, again, we can't judge a team from the first game of the season and all of this, but. They were one team that were brilliant in preseason. It looks like they brought it into the first game as well. Um, Zinchenko had a really good game. Jesus, even though he didn't score, he was good. They just looked a bit more. And Saliba, oh my days! Saliba fit right into that. To that was it back four? Back four wasn't back it? Back four. Oh back. my god! And right on the right back. Um, it makes you wonder why it's taken so long for him to to be given his, his Arsenal debut but it seems like you know that his loan spells in, in France have paid off and he, he's very very young as well mm. um, so you know if if he continues to develop at that rate in, in, in two three years he might be looking at um, a real prospect there yeah they looked really good to be fair and they looked again a weird thing for Arsenal that they looked assured of themselves they looked confident on the ball they looked calm it didn't ever look that they were going to concede or lose that game. So, mm. yeah, it's positive for Arsenal. Can they continue? Can they continue this form though? Do you think? I think. I mean, what I mentioned last week is I, I expect by four or five games into the season, I expect Arsenal to be near enough top of the table. Picked up quite a few victories along the way, but it, it is when those midweek games start rolling in. Are they able to maintain this, or will we see them drop off like they did last season? I think the only thing that may beat them is themselves in the in the way that they might get carried away. I know it was a good performance against Palace, but genuinely there are even Arteta. He he's a good, of course, he's a good man, and obviously they've got a way of playing, and it's clear that it shows what kind of way he wants his team to play. But to me, he does seem slightly. Someone who could get... He's a bit arrogant and someone who could get carried away with things. And that, for a team like Arsenal, who are finally showing signs of improvement and everything, you don't need something like that. You don't need to get carried away. They need to literally take it game by game. And I think they can carry it on and be really good. But... I don't know. Is it the fans? I mean, the fans, without question, get carried away. They're probably, you know, over the moon and one result, one way or the other. If they, they Arsenal lose next week, they'll all be Arteta out or <laughs> what Arsenal fans are like. But do you think it's the same in that dressing room? I know in previous seasons, you had the incident with Gwen Doozy hanging out of car windows, getting excited about a victory against Tottenham and it all came back firing. Um, you know, all these incidents where it seems like the players get whipped up in that frenzy. But now they're a bit more... Well, are they mature enough, do you think, to to learn from their mistakes from the past. Uh, but is there... Would you, in that team, do you see anyone who's a bit more mature? I, I don't know. I, I couldn't I can think that there's... Because the two of the guards, the new, the new captain, isn't he? And he's only very... Well, exactly. I, I can't really young. see any... As, as much as you'd like to see them fail, Zach. No, I think with, I think with Arsenal... <laughs> I think I am the, biased. Um, yeah, I'll put my hands up. I'm biased. But what, what do you, from a neutral perspective, what do you think? I think it's going to be, I, I could see them having a similar season to last year, actually. Um, but I think because they've got a bit more now, they've got a bit more than they did have last season. I think what that team is lacking is just a couple of winners. They just need maybe like one or two players who have won league titles. Um, to really push, push them on to the next level. I'm not saying to make them title challenges, but make them potentially get a second or third place in the league. With I think right now, they're going to be sort of battling for the fourth spot. Um, but what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> do they have, do they, well, I suppose, do they have those leaders to get them across the line? Because I think come March, April time, they will be in the battle for top four, whether it's in fourth place, fifth place, wherever, they will be in and around those areas with five, six games to go. Do they have those those leaders that you're talking about to get them across the line this time instead of collapsing spectacularly? I'm not sure if they have, but I think they've got more of a chance this year to get them over the line. I think Gabriel Jesus, I think he's, he's, he's got that South American spirit and I think that will help them. Because I think last year when... It came down to the came down to the crunch there. 
like like Lacazette and that what's his name, Eddie and Ketty up front. And they just they were lacking um a bit of bite up top. Um if Thomas Party doesn't go to jail then um and if he can stay fit as well, because he's he's looked good in pre-season and, and against Crystal Palace as well. Um and I think he can be a leader for them. Um I think they've got best tools to get over the line, but it's still too early to say whether or not they will. I want to see them against a, a big club. I want to see them against one of the top teams and how they perform there. Mm. That's been the undoing for them, even last couple of seasons. Like they celebrated that first half against Man City. Like, it was yeah. like <laughs> what the hell? And they lost the game. So I want to see them against a big team and see what happens there. It's interesting. It's definitely positive for them anyway. They're playing really good football. They look so assured of themselves. And Indeed. Arteta's doing all right, mate. Speaking of uh, doing well against big teams, Asif's Fulham pulled out the shock of the weekend with a 2-2 draw um, at Craven Cottage against Liverpool. Mitrovic made Van Dijk look like a little girl. Can you? What can you say? <laughs> Listen, we've said, which one do you want to... Look, as I've said a million times, when a team loses, we've got to give credit to the team. Well, we didn't even lose. That's the thing we drew. But... You gotta give credit to Fulham. Genuinely, the first, you know, in I, I don't know if it's the same with your teams, but in the first ten minutes of a match, I can usually tell what the game's gonna be like for my team. Genuinely, I can tell from the first ten minutes how they start and how it's gonna be. And genuinely, the first ten, fifty, I would say even twenty minutes, Fulham were all over it. They were fantastic. I, th- what the hell happened though? I don't get it because Marco Silva in the in the press in the before the match in the press conference or whatever, he was saying, oh, we don't have many players. And even in the media, he's been saying, oh, we're missing some players. And it seems like he was so down about his team. And then all of a sudden, they come out, most intensity I've seen from a team in a while against us. And they were brilliant. Paulinho in midfield was brilliant. Mitro was unbelievable. He, of course, against, for the pen, now, instance in the game, of course, like Trent, he done him. He went to the back post, go on to Trent, it's simple. And for big strikers, literally every time, why don't you, when you're playing against Liverpool, just go and try and expose that? Of course, it makes sense. Um, against Van Dijk, if we, when we looked at it, I don't think it was a pen, but Van Dijk should never have let him go into that position anyway. He should never have got into that position against Van Dijk and it was... But it's not just a penalty. I'm sure there was another time where he had... It was around the centre circle, I think, where... And he turned him inside out. Inside out. Exactly. No, but that, again, with that, uh, he, if you watch that video, he destroyed Hendo. That's what the whole clip was. He flipping put Hendo on his ass, and I was so annoyed about that. Because as a centre mid, how the hell can you get pushed to the floor? Pushed to the floor like a little boy. And then Van Dijk was just trying to hold him up. Mitro didn't go anywhere from there, so it doesn't really matter. They turned inside and then passed it back. <laughs> that doesn't make a difference. But he destroyed Hendo in that little clip, which I was really annoyed about. And all, every single one of our players, literally none of them turned up. But again, still, none of us turned up. We weren't playing well. Nunes came off the bench. And even though his, like he was literally just causing problems for them. Simple little things. He wasn't even doing that much. He was literally someone, a willing runner in behind, someone who's going to put pressure on them. And that's it. Salah was involved when he got another guy with him who was playing. Thiago came off in 48 minutes, which wasn't good. None, none of our players were up for it. But I genuinely see so many positives about that because now Klopp is the manager who will go back to them and say, you were absolutely awful. You were dreadful and what? you need to wake up now in the next game. We'll turn it around. He did, he did, he did say, say that they don't deserve her or something like that, didn't he? Yeah, he's so And that the pitch was a bit too dry. Oh, they always is Did you no, see but... the full response to that? The pitch was looking less. <laughs> yeah. Great answer. I'm getting gas from his but... No, as it, from a neutral perspective, because obviously I'm so neutral to, to Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that all, I mean, any team in the world would miss him, but I just think Sadio Mane is going to be such a loss. He brings so, so much, much intensity to the attack. attack. Um, um, and, and I just, it was so, it was so, so clear in the obvious in that game, game from what I saw. 
Um, just that just seems just a massive miss. But um, I'm sure you're yeah. you know, obviously have to address to, to that. I think just one thing before you go on, you said as well is Firmino. I thought because I thought I thought Firmino could maybe take that role a bit because he hasn't played as much last season. But he was the first one that everyone spoke about as being the king of pressing from the front. But he was he just looked lost and, he, and maybe maybe his legs are gone a little bit. I know he's only like thirty odds, but it does happen. Um, and I'm not sure. Yeah, he just looked totally lost in the pitch. I didn't think he offered anything. He didn't, and he he was the most disappointing out of anyone. To be honest, Hendo was obviously disappointing as well. But we we really need a midfielder genuinely. And I, Cater is when he's fit, it's fine. But he's like digestive biscuits. The guy gets injured all the like he just crumbles. He, there's nothing. Literally, whenever he goes into a good run of things, flipping Pogba done him last year. I remember at Old Trafford. <laughs> you're not in the market for a midfielder, doesn't? I mean, apart from Jude Bellingham, well, you're the thing. Bruna. So the the best thing is for us, it's kind of been a positive for us, is that we wait for the right guy, and I think we're waiting for Jude for next season. But if Thiago's out for longer, if Kate is not going to be fully fit all the time, Curtis Jones is out, we need to get someone now. We need to just get someone now because. When you're at the top of your game, when you're you've got you're challenging for everything, you don't want to let that go just by not signing someone. When you're at the top, make sure you keep on getting players in to keep you at the top, and then you can keep on competing. You, you never know them. what happens in ten thousand years. Would the owners be willing to to spend that cash? Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it's the owners. What the genuinely when it comes to transfers and everything. I I know we go for players that Klopp wants, but I'm pretty sure there's plenty of other times where Klopp would have said, I want this guy, I want that guy. And it's just, we put cash aside for other things. I don't know. Well, we took a train to London, didn't we? We were on Great Western Way or whatever from Liverpool to Fulham. So we're saving money, but uh, I don't know. I hope we get a centre mid. If we don't, it won't be the end of the world because, again, I still think we can turn it around. I think Nunes is going to grow into it more and more. Firmino was disappointing. Um, I thought Harvey had it pretty well when he came on. He was a nice little spark when he came on, but genuinely, I, I look at it and think, all right, get that out of the way, done, focus on the next game. And that's it. And I think we will. And I think Klopp is that kind of manager who will have a go at everyone and make sure they're on it for the next game. Who have you got next? Palace uh, at Anfield. Yeah. Tough game. Very good. So whilst Liverpool's title charge took a little bit of a wobble, um, someone <laughs> who stuck their marker in the sand was Tottenham Hotspur Football Club with a stonking 4-1 victory against Southampton. I don't want to get too carried away. Um, I did watch the game alongside alongside the both of you, actually. Um, Yusuf, as a, as a fellow title contender, <laughs> are, you, are you scared that you are just going to be wobbling along in third place. <laughs> I I was saying it to us as well. I'm so happy that you guys are excited, Zach, because I can't remember a season where you've come into it with real positivity and I'm happy for you. I, I can't think. remember a season where we've come into it you know, playing this well, to be fair. <laughs> you are. And Jenny Kulazewski or whatever, however you say his name. The guy is fantastic, man. Bloody hell, he was brilliant. And I know he finished the season well last season as well but he was so good you look solid there wasn't really part Romero looks good yeah, the thing with Kulisewski is now we have three brilliant forward players like if Kane has an off day Son has an off day they both didn't do much Kulisewski will step up if he has an off day one of the other two will just put in a world class performance yeah. I think there's just plenty of options in terms of where the goals are going to come from we've got Richarlison coming off the bench you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what he has to offer um, the the main thing that took me aback was the performance from Ryan Sessegnon bombing down the left wing. I've never seen him play like that. And he did say after the game that he basically Perisic had been talking to him about his tactics before the game, telling him to that to target um, Walker Peters at the back post, which is exactly what he did. Um, if that's the level of performance that Sessegnon was going to offer. Uh, moving forward. I mean, if it's not, that's fine because Perisic will just come in for him. But if he's able to keep Perisic on the bench, then that is just another brilliant, brilliant outlet for us, another exciting outlet. Um, 
and the one thing I think that as if you mentioned on our last episode that there's this there is this perception that Conte plays a defensive style of football but we've, we've scored four goals in the opening game more than anybody else we've scored I mean the stat has been bandied around on social media today that we've scored the most goals out of any team in the Premier League in 2022 um, since Conte's come in I can't remember it I think the amount of chances his whatever strategies or whatever it is that, that lays on it's literally night and day from what we were doing before. Since he's come in, I think every single game we played, whether it's against Man City, whether it's against whoever, we always have a better XG than our opponents, um, which is the opposite of under Josie. I think we we had a worse XG, even when we were playing like Norwich and teams like that. We just happened to be mm-hmm. relying on Kane and Son's outstanding finishing. Um, I think he's. I don't want to say going under the radar because everyone is blowing Tottenham's trumpet, but in terms of what he actually can achieve um, with this squad, having had the preseason, I think it's exciting times for. He's a winner. He's just an absolute winner. He's that's it. He's not here to win a League Cup or to win an FA Cup or, or, or waste time with any of that. He's here for the. He's here for the big, the big prizes. The big years. The big years. Yeah, well, we say big. I think his record in the Champions League is, is quite poor, actually. If you look at it. So, I, I mean, find that quite surprising, though, because the way he sets up his teams and the way that they play, you think it would do well in the Champions League, but his Champions League record, yeah, from what I've seen, is quite poor. Yeah, I think <clears> the thing is similar to what we mentioned with Arsenal. I think he needs a full seven days to prepare for a game because his plans are so detailed that when it comes to Champions League, it just messes things up too much. So do you think that could derail you in the Premier League though when the European football starts? I know that thing could be said about a lot of teams, but based on what you're saying there. I think if we end up going far in the Champions League, and when I say far, I mean second round quarterfinals where we're still we're still in it come February time, then yeah, there is that potential. My hopes is either we go all the way in, in, in something like the Champions League, or if we're not gonna make it to the finals, whether then then just don't bother, get knocked out straight away and, and make sure you're not knocking down into the Europa League and just focus on the Prem because there was you know with that if you remember that season with Chelsea when they came 10th the season before and they they had no Europe they just had one game a week to focus on they you know he he stormed the league with that so either we do something like that or if we're going to take the Champions League seriously then then take it seriously Um, but yeah um, I think it's Exciting talk, but obviously the, the the problem is we've got Chelsea next week, who we always do poorly against. So next week's at the bridge as well. Yeah, at the bridge, um, so I might have a different tone when it comes to next week's episode. Um, but I'm I'm quietly optimistic for that. Game. <laughs> um, based on what we saw, moving on swiftly to the next game, based on what we saw from Chelsea at the weekend, there wasn't much to frighten Antonio Conte watching that that match. Um, what do you think, Yusuf? Yeah, they look boring, man. Like that day, I lovely day just watching football after football after football. No, it was genuinely like the worst game by far. And I know Everton are dreadful and it's depressing watching Everton. I don't even talk about them because it's just they are so bad, but Chelsea. They didn't do anything, man. They scored from a pen. If God or whoever it was gave away the pen, Decore. If they went in at half time, nil nil, I genuinely think they could have maybe got something from it because it was so even that first half, mm. evenly poor. I, the pen like got him out, and then that's it. Second half, of course, Everton aren't going to score. Chelsea didn't have to do anything. They didn't look exciting. There was no one going forward who looked particularly great. I think Chelsea's defence were, I mean, they weren't really troubled. um, But they're solid. But up front, Kai Havertz, I know you're a big advocate of Kai Havertz. He's been getting slated left, right and centre after that performance um, by Chelsea fans and and fans of other clubs. He didn't offer anything. Raheem Sterling... He was probably their best player going forward, but he wasn't great. But yeah, he wasn't great, apart from his little special move on the floor. I don't know what he was, <laughs> what he was doing there. The question has to be asked of, of Tuchel. He's had multiple strikers now, and he hasn't got a tune out of any of them. Is he the problem? 
Ass. Um. Not a natural trigger, obviously. <laughs> like, we, know what these, we, know, we know what these Americans are like. <laughs> oh, is that going to have to be cut out? 
no, no. No, that's absolutely fine. You know, we. That is absolutely. There's nothing alleged about the, the gun problem in America. I don't think. <laughs> right. Speaking of guns, um, they were blazing <laughs> at the uh, at the what is it? The Olymp London Stadium <laughs> it's called, isn't it? Um, where West Ham got got the first taste of what's to come. Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland. Um, we did say last episode, we don't know whether he'll hit the ground running. Boy, he, he definitely did. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If, you know if, for those watching, I felt like he wasn't involved too much in the game, but the minute the opportunities came for him, he, he was lightning. Uh, he's um, he's a bit of a monster. And he? <laughs> he looks a bit of a monster. Like, and I... His second goal was scary, wasn't it? It just felt like whoa, it's, it's the way he runs, man. He literally looks like he's jogging, but he's gone. He's like, like a rhinoceros. <laughs> he's, he's a monster, and that De Bruyne Harlan link up is gonna be yeah. a bit scary. Well, I think the key thing is, as if you mentioned it last episode, that he, he won't get enough space in the Premier League because he need. We've all seen his runs, all the videos from the Bundesliga. But the thing is, for that for, for the penalty, he needed literally. He didn't have the space. West Ham was sat quite deep. He had maybe two meters of space, and he he did the damage in in that amount of space. And then obviously the second half, I think it was literally there was a five minute period where West Ham decided we're going to go for it. They brought on their striker Skamaka. They one nil down. They started pushing up, and they just got punished straight away as soon yeah. as they they opened that back door. Um, and then he had you know as you, as you saw thirty forty yards of space to run into. Is it going to be a case where he's going to do this every week, or will will he get figured out eventually? Will will defenses get wise? Is there a way to stop him? Is, is... he's not great in the air though, is he? I, I think going against what, what I said last week, I'm not sure. If, I think we all might have said a little bit, but of the of the space and stuff. I think um, one thing that we've said about Man City over the last one or two years is the one thing that they've lacked is in certain games and very minimal games. I guess maybe the Champions League. Just someone who can put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. And I think with Man City, even if by playing Harlan, now this is based on West Ham and again going against a bit of what I said last week, even if Harlan takes away some of their overall football in terms of how much they should dominate teams with the ball by having somebody plays on the ball, playing with a false nine or whatever they used to do, I think they'll still have great enough chances. chances. It's all over. They always create chances and they've got someone there now who, who will put it in the back of the net. Um, I've actually last last week, and I think it was more after watching against Liverpool. I thought mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see how he performs. But actually, now after watching West Ham, I could see him scoring 20, 20 plus goals easily in the Premier League. Yeah, he he does look really good, and I I think City will be teams in a low, low, low block. It will be quite interesting to see. And again, yeah. obviously, he don't need that much space, but it will be quite interesting because I think even he had a chance yesterday where Foden gave it to him and he easily could have got his head on him. For someone in his height, you think he should be getting... And he's not great in the air, it seems, but Champions League, not many teams who really sit, sit in. like. So I think he might... I don't know. I think City might do well in the Champions League this season, you know? And I don't think they'll be that fussed if they don't get many results in the Prem. Let's be honest, they want the Champions League. Of course, the Prem is always yeah. there, but they want the Champions League. So I agree. I he, agree. It's all pointing probably, to it. Yeah, he has probably been bought for that. And like, if he can win them the Champions League, then yeah, that's all they can, want. Can Pep do it without Leo Messi, though? That's the question. Uh, uh, well, you just mentioned, I was going to move on, but you've just mentioned compared to that. It doesn't. I'm not going to give him a gold star if he does it with a flipping <laughs> best striker in the world coming and signing for his team with everyone else costing 100 million. He's still still a bold fraud. <laughs> so if he wins the Champions League, lad, what else do you want him to do? I didn't realize that. Harry, I didn't realize that Harry Kane had signed for, for Man City. Hey, great! Best striker in the world. Nunes. We shall see. I'll, I'll redact that comment, but. <laughs> It's still, uh, it's still, I think, no credit for Pep. One of the best. Isn't it? One, One of, the best. of the best. Second best. Right. Um, any, all of the other games, I don't, we did watch a little snippet of Bournemouth Villa. I don't know why. 
I think I think I might have said, I'm sure I said it last week. But part of I think, apart from like Brendan Rodgers and Lampard, who were the obvious threats for losing the job, I think Gerrard is definitely in the top three. That's a shock. I think, no, and I think they've backed him, and I think I think I think the thing with Villa, they'll give him time, but. The poor results have started from last season, and then they thought, let's get to the summer. But I think if it does continue, um, if they he continue with VR, he has to ASAP, like as yeah. soon as possible. And it's not like he hasn't been given any money to sign players. And I think his signings have made sense as well. There's some nice little signings in there with Kamara and Carlos or whatever. But I just think he needs to turn around results quickly. That's what it's like in football, isn't it? But um, Newcastle, I wanted to mention, they looked. Chill. They, Eddie Howe was a manager. I know it was against Forest, but blood and Bruno Gomares again. What a player! And Eddie Howe is proper again than playing Wilson. What a finish! I don't know if you guys saw it. Mm. I, I did actually. Yeah, Oof. but I, I I think obviously with both their goals, the Fabian Shah and Wilson, I can't actually I can't actually make numbers much of Wilson. But I thought Dean Henderson was poor for both of those goals. <laughs> I wonder why. Fabian Shaw one in particular, it was a good strike, but I think most top keepers would have saved it. Would you take Dean Henderson as centre back right now? I'd take him as centre midfield over, over <laughs> Scott listen, odds on do you think McTominay will start next game? I think he will. No, I don't think he will. I thought Donny came on had a few nice touches. I think he'll start. Um or Adrian Rabio. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, who do you think? From United. Yeah, McTominay's going to start. Know, listen, in the last, tw- I mean, we're going to come on to transfers now, but in the last twenty-four <laughs> hours, so much has happened at United that by this time tomorrow, it could be another four different players that they're linked to, <laughs> or have already signed. I think McTominay's going to hit him out the door. He's still going to start, mate. He's well, that's start. from the weekend. Anything could happen at Old Trafford. So, uh, yeah, we've we've. Given the given the listeners little dribs and drabs of, of of what's been going, we have mentioned the two main names, but I'll let Asif focus fully on or try and make some sense of of, of the rumours that have come out of Old Trafford today. Okay, so the first one we'll go on to is Marco Anatovic. Now, going back um, about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, um, Andy Mitten, who you guys have probably seen on Sky Sports and stuff, he's a he's a main United journalist and he's got a really good connection in football. He, I'm in a forum that he's part of, um, and he mentioned, he didn't mention the name, but he said it's a striker that United are in for, um, a physical presence, that they're looking just to sort of um, be like a backup striker or attacker. When the name came out yesterday, it was Marko Natovic, and he confirmed that that was, a, that was a player that he was talking about. Unbelievably shocking. I mean, I don't know how to react to first. The thing with <laughs> the thing with the thing with Arnautovic is that I actually used to really like him as a player, and I think he's he, he is well, he was a good player. I remember when he was at West Ham, and I used to quite like him then, and even a Stoke. But I mean, he's 33, 34 years old now. No club who've got aspirations of not even winning the league, top four, should be signing Marco Arnautovic. But not only that, is his you know we not we, we spoke about last week about bad eggs. And he's been done for racism, where the Albania thing, which again, I think with that is kind of like political more than anything. Where you know, whatever it's going on between Albania and there's a Serbia, whatever, it's not Serbia, whatever he is. Um, but then there's also been an accusation of the Dutch league, where it was actually when he worked under Ten Hag and McLaren. Um, where there was another player from, I think he might have a PSV, where he accused Anatovic of calling him the N-word, but then he was found, nothing came of it. So it's, beyond that, he's had four hours with managers, this, that, the other, it just seems absolutely crazy that with how United have been over the last few years and the bad eggs that they've had, that they would be looking to get someone like him in. Had we gone and signed another attacking player, like, you know, they've got Anthony, who's, Clearly, a target of Ten Hag um, or Sesto, who now looks like he's going to RB Leipzig. Apparently, that's pretty much been confirmed today. If they'd got him in and then, then they went and brought Al- Alnautovic in, then you think, okay, fair enough. But knowing what my United are like, he'll be the one signing. But saying that, there's been so much talk over the last 24 hours that I actually don't think that that will happen. 
and it's been reported in Italy just over the last few hours that um, it's likely that he's now going to stay. Um, stay in and Bologna. I, yeah, he, he, well, actually, they just they played it now and he started for them as well. So I think if there was a deal that was close to happening, I don't think he'd be playing. Um, it's just absolutely crazy, I think, with that. And then the Rabiot rumours against there. And again, Dave Johnstein, he's the one that broke the news about Rabiot. And he said that this is not something which has just come off the back of yesterday's game. It's been something that's been in the pipeline for the last couple of weeks that they've been looking at as alternatives to Frankie de Jong. But what he is saying and what the journalists are saying is that it's not that they're going to stop the pursuit of Frankie de Jong, which I think is a joke for me right now. They just need to end that pursuit of Frankie de Jong and focus on other targets. But it seems that he's an option. I think with the thing with um, Rabio is I think he's a decent player, um, but he's been seen as a bad egg. But at the same time, Juventus... Yeah, it's his moment. I think it was the issues of when he was... He was a PSG, wasn't he, before Juventus? I think there was a lot of stuff going on when he was a PSG. Whereas at Juventus, they're saying that he hasn't actually had many issues in terms of um, off the field, but he's been actually on the pitch. He hasn't done much. Um, so, I don't, again, that's a strange, strange sign-in if they do pursue that. And that actually looks like it's going to happen um, because apparently they've agreed a fee. Um, it's strange again. I just, I just hope I, I'm not totally against signing him as long as he's not the only one that they're bringing in the midfield. If he's one as well as one other, then I think, yeah, not fair enough, not too bad. Um, because I've seen him play well, he played, he does decent for France. Um, but like I said, it's just concerning if he is going to be our main midfield signing because that is just total incompetence from the board and the club. And actually, Ten Hag himself, because I think these signings are being driven by him. And he seems to have an out of it, definitely. I don't think he's worked with Rabio before, but um, an out of it is again the player that he's worked with. And this, this seems to be this obsession of corporate players that he's worked with, um, which again, um, which again is making, making me start. Start. <laughs> question. So, so, so what, what, what United have done is they basically scrapped the whole counter system, which. I, I think, think he needs to be done. But, but I would have thought that Ten Hag would have a bit more about him in terms of identifying players rather than players that he's played with from the Dutch league. Massive yeah. um, games not played with, but again, he was someone that he identified at the time at Ajax. And I think, had he not come to United at Ten Hag, he probably would have signed Malassia for Ajax. Um, it's just quite, quite worrying. Over the last couple of hours, though, it's been quite... A, there's been a couple of strong reports coming out of Spain that they're interested in signing them. Um, there's been a midfielder for Bilbao. Um, I actually can't remember his name. I've never seen him play. Cavalier. No, it's not William Cavalier. It's a defensive midfielder, the Argentinian one. Oh, Guido Rodriguez. That's the one, yeah. yeah. And um, they say there's a £20 million links there. He's meant to be a good player, but I've not seen him play, so I can't comment on it too much. But regardless of anything, and even... Even if they are in fact Anatovich, they are in for Rabio and all these players. It's it's the whole approach behind it. It's scattergun and it goes to show that I mean I was quite positive in that. Um they've learned from their past mistakes and then they have been more structured to the players that they're targeting. But clearly they've not been able to get the number one targets in these positions and they're now going out there trying to see and get what they can. What, one thing that was mentioned yesterday on the Sky Sports coverage, it was Karen Carney who raised the point that Brighton have managed to sign. I mean, they lost Basuma, they've signed Moises Caicedo, who played quite well yesterday. Players like that, where you know Brighton have got a scouting network where they can identify these unknown gems. Why are United? So, so this, this is this is the thing. Moises Caicedo, he was offered the United, and he was severely linked United at the time. But United, United rejected, rejected it on the on the thing about they're not sure whether the next manager would want him in. And it was the same way Julian Alvarez was in Man City. Again, there was talks to United, but they, they said they don't want to spend £20 million on him because they're not sure whether the next manager would want him. It's a, a complete and utter bollocks. Like that is just... Moises Caicedo dominated midfield yesterday. He signed him for £4 million. Um, and it's not just, I mean, there's other people, like we mentioned Palhinha 
earlier, players like that, which, you know, if they had the choice of playing for Fulham or Man United, surely they, they would pick Man United. Exactly. And it's just, um, I, I don't know what to say. It's just a shambles from the scout network, the top of the club. John Myrtle now, who's in charge of transfers, apparently. Um, I do think they're hamstrung by the Glazers, and the Glazers have to go. They absolutely have to go. But um, John Myrtle has got no um, experience or history in dealing with transfers. And he's there at the top of the club now, making all these decisions, buying all these players. Um, Ralph Ranjek, I can see why they got rid of him. It was almost like he made it so toxic that they did. But ultimately, there's been clips of what he was saying, what he's what he was saying last year in April about having the top people at the top of the club who have got connections and know how to deal with transfers, signing the right players. Um, and again, we just it's just so bad that after just the last 24 hours as a Man United fan, it, it's just. It, it's like we're back last season. We couldn't wait for the season to be over, and it was like everything was so toxic. And then the preseason went well. Ten Hag was positivity, and right now I feel like the way I was feeling in like March, April last year, where it was like I want the season to end, like something needs to happen. But you know, if we if there's still a few weeks left in the transfer window, if we do get in some decent players, not the ones that we've mentioned in particular, if we do get maybe Frankie De Jong or someone like Ruben Neves. Um, even Matthias Nunes, who's been linked to Liverpool, we should just go out and sign him because he's got a similar profile to Frankie de Jong. I just I don't know what we're doing. doing. I, don't I don't know what's, what's happening. happening. Um, it's, 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 it's a really worrying time to be a United fan. Oh, yeah, head up, lad. Come on. No, honestly, the last 24 hours is just, I've lost all. Um, Hopefully. I bet because as well, you were probably on the way thinking, yeah, this is going to be insane first in the game of the season. You know what? Going up, I was, I went, I was going up with one of my friends and he was really positive. And he was like, like he's acting already feeling like, after the game with him, he buzzed in. And I was like, Brighton are a good team. And I wasn't totally convinced that we were going to get the win. I thought we'd win, but I wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park. But I think what's made it worse, not just the results, it's just these stories coming out after the game about the players that we're in for. Is what's actually made it worse. If if these stories about Arnautovic and Rabiot didn't come out after the game, I probably wouldn't be feeling the way I am right now. It's crazy the Arnautovic stuff though. Uh, Rabiot ain't great either, but Arnautovic was literally a couple of hours after. Yeah, but again, like I said, that's not come out the back of the result yesterday because that's been in the pipeline for a couple of weeks. But it's shocking that we even targeted them in. Hard to know, hard to. We've all been in those. Uh, we've all been in that boat, I think. But it reminds me of the time when Liverpool, when they were signing the likes of like Ricky Lambert and uh, what's his name, Christian Paulson or whatever his name is, and Konteski and that. Though. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> <sighs> Going on about other transfers anyway, because I know we're meant to be doing a transfer um, patch in this in this podcast. Um, Zach obviously mentioned the, like Chelsea not being linked to players, but they are linked to Aubameyang. Oh, yes. um, apparently, Barcelona are not. They're only willing to let one of Memphis Depay or Aubameyang go. They, they wanted to get rid of Depay more than Aubameyang, but that's that's one to keep an eye Barcelona, on. Barcelona don't they have to sell like ten people? Otherwise, they can't. They, they can't register their players at the moment. Is the latest that I read because just the mess they're in. And also, hogging them all for on the cheap now. They're threatening like Frankie De Jong, Martin Braithwaite, um, Gerard Piquet, who apparently now is on the list signing a new contract, and um, who's the other player? There's another player, and they threaten them with legal action, saying that they they believe there's criminality involved in, in when they renewed their contracts a couple of years ago. Um, just crazy things, crazy things. Look at Frankie, the way he's being treated there. Like, why does he want to stay? Like, I know yeah, it's his boyhood club and whatnot, but it comes down to a point of principle. Like, you're being bullied on that club. Get out of there. Like, Jenny, why is he only staying then? Is it just because of who, like, in no other team in for him? I don't get it. I don't think it's that. I think it's his boyhood club and he just doesn't, just does, does not want to leave Barcelona. But I think maybe, and also, 
it's the 70 million euros that he's owed. At the, at the end of the day, no matter how rich footballers are, who's going to say no to set that, you know, who's going to, going to want to say, yeah, walk away from 70 million euros, basically. Um, he, he could have come to Tottenham. We were in for him a few years back, straight from Ajax, and he turned us down to go to Barcelona. So. I mean, yeah, he's going to agree. Who wanted to go to Tottenham at that point? <laughs> he had loads of options. He could have gone to PSG. He chose. But this was under pot when we were when we were good. So, so. I, I think we're fine here, but I, I don't think he's actually too. He's one of those players not too keen to play with Premier League. In the Prem. Yeah, I don't think he's keen on Premier League. Um, yeah. But, but then again, again I, I just don't want to sign the player because of what comes to Prem. Because of what comes to my name, move on. There's plenty of players that will want to come to that. Yeah, you'll end up at Bayern Munich, just like Delict. And uh, I, I, I can see you ended up at PSG, PSG actually. There have been some murders about PSG waiting for him. I think, yeah, but they've got so many centre mids, and they've got Fabian Ruiz now as well. I think they're signing. Apparently, so yeah. Oh, and Sesco's gone, right? Ah, oh, believe so. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, twenty million. I mean, that was you know, right side of my thoughts. Can't do anything now. No, exactly. Sounds legit. Great stuff. Very good. Um, any other news? Any other? There's been so much has happened in the last two, three days. I've just um, it, there probably is a million other things to to mention. Well, well one player who was surprised is still having left is Kev. He's going to he's going to Watford, and he's just scored a goal from his own from his own half. Unbelievable finish! Unbelievable chef! Unbelievable, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there are lots of teams that could do with a player like that in the Premier League, but maybe they want to do a mixture of it for a season. I'd take Joe Pedro as well, actually. Would you take Tom Cleverley back in your midfield, Zach? Yeah, that's it. I'd take him over Scott McTominay. <laughs> what about I- if Thud, Tom Odderson, did actually play him? It would be great stuff. I play again. I play over McTominay. You know who I play over McTominay? I play Anderson, Luizzi, Aurelio, Oliveira over him. <laughs> and even even though he's retired, eating pizza every day. Listen, is back. he that bad though? Is he that bad? He's that bad, mate. He's that bad. <laughs> Genuinely, had he not broke through Man United under Mourinho, I blame for this. He'd probably be playing league one of league two football. The thing is, why he's there is because United have got this thing where they've had an academy player playing for the first 11 for donkey's years, isn't it? So he's the only academy player at the moment. So they have, to, have keep... to play him. No, Rashford's an academy player. Well, Rashford was AWOL last season. I suppose if Rashford comes back into the thinking, then maybe you can, you can block him. But well, Rashford's an academy player, and it's also, um, I'm sure there's one or two others, Mason Greenwood, if he comes back. What? Are you still hoping for it, Max? Listen, I'm not saying anything because obviously there's a little bit going on. But after yesterday, I'm screaming for him back. <laughs> Free Mason Greenwood, mate. If you're doing some getting back on the pitch. Zach, can you say us a uh, hashtag obsessed, do not condone? Oh, I can see a lot. Well, I'm not saying innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got, I've got a legal background and, you know. <laughs> Until he's found guilty in the court of law, he's innocent. And he he's, innocent. he's innocent. Give him, bring him back on the pitch, mate. <laughs> we need him ASAP. On that note, um, I think before we get in any more trouble, uh, <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's time to uh, time to to tie things up and and you know hopefully have a rest for the next seven days. Give Asif some time to regain his. Confidence. I'm not looking forward to Brentford <laughs> away the weekend. Ivan Tony looked very good uh, against Leicester, that's all I'll say. <laughs> and he's coming up against five foot two Lissandro Martinez. Mate, he's so small. He's... <laughs> <laughs> I I you know You're right, oh. though. On the ball, he's good. I think, genuinely, by the way, why didn't you sign a centre back and put him in centre mid? Genuinely. Oh, no, we can speak around centre back, yeah. And put, him, put him holding mid, man. With Martina, it ain't going to work unless the other 10 players around him are, are all in. Martina's only, yeah. He's not the player. If, 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 if,
into a team that's in chaos than expect him to. Mm-hmm. He's not a player you bring into a team who hasn't got a midfield and keep the ball, basically. Because if you've got a team that dominates possession, dominates the ball, controls the tempo of a game, then yeah, happy days. But as the team is right now, with McTominay and Fred in, in front of it, I fear, to be honest, I fear for anyone in our defence with a midfield that we've got in front of them. In front of them. Worrying times indeed, Vinas. Worrying times indeed. Certainly. All right then, gentlemen. It's been a fantastic, fantastic evening once again. Fantastic. Um, we look forward to another round of games this weekend. Or some of us look forward anyway. And then <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we shall join you all once again uh, this time next week. Uh, we will We will know the big answers to the big questions such as can Tottenham finally end the hoodoo against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge are Liverpool done and dusted in this Champions League in this uh, well Champions League hunt it could be you know top four might might even be out of the question um, and is there any hope left for Man United what on earth will happen in seven days time seven sets of 24 hours can you imagine that what could happen in that time <laughs> Lord Trafford where will we stand this time next week. Right then, I've been Zach Judy, your host. It's been a pleasure. As if. As always, Zach. Great work. (laughs) Have a good evening, everybody. See you later, guys. Take care.